You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ottawa was not the only scene of explosive political events. This morning, Donald Trump abruptly walked away from the table and left his much-hyped summit with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un without an agreement. Meanwhile, his former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, rocked Washington with his testimony yesterday. We want to hear from you on this. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we're going to political commentator Michael Tobe and Janice Stein, a professor at the Monk School of Global Affairs. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Libby. Okay, uh, Janice, Janice, uh, let's start with the summit. Were you surprised that he just walked away rather than trying to... I actually was, uh, not because I ever expected that uh, a meaningful agreement to denuclearize would come out of that summit. Uh, I I frankly think that train has left the station in North Korea as a nuclear power, and we're all going to have to learn to live with it, just like we've learned to live with others. But I was surprised because he seemed so desperate for a deal. Uh, the hype was huge. Uh, he seemed immune to everybody telling him that Kim Jong-un would never agree. And as you just said, Michael Cohen's testimony in Washington yesterday could have made him even more desperate. So I frankly thought he would just cave, in all honesty. Michael? I didn't think he would necessarily cave, but I think that Janice's analysis is correct. Um, I think that at least the good thing is I would rather that Donald Trump have walked away from the table with no deal than signing a bad deal. Because you can't obviously trust the North Koreans, you know, the, the communist regime that has been in place with Kim Jong-un, his father and his grandfather, have been untrustworthy. And we've seen how they handle things, say, with the United States in the past. If we go back to planned meetings between um, Kim Jong-il and Madeleine Albright, which would have eventually included uh, President Bill Clinton around 2000, and nothing obviously came of that. So while I agree with Janice that it certainly looked like Donald Trump wanted to sign a deal, he wanted to obviously build upon his legacy and felt that this would be the best way to do it, I think we can at least give him a little bit of credit that if he was not pleased with the way things were being discussed, And he was worried about the fact that the North Koreans had insisted upon U.S. sanctions being completely removed in return for him shutting down one of the nuclear facilities. At least he's thinking rationally. At least his people around him, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, are as well. And if it takes a longer period of time, that's perfectly fine by me, because if there's ever going to be a deal in place, and quite frankly, I don't see what they could do to actually create something like that, because... The new North Koreans are just not going to denuclearize. It's not to their political advantage or military advantage. They're not going to do it. But if something can be arranged, it has to be where everything is set in stone properly rather than some sort of hash-dash deal that we're just going to reject or be very critical of later on. Janice, do well, you think that it's it's Donald Trump doing the right thing, or or does he kind of see this as the same way he saw the trade deal with us? He's saying, okay, I can walk away from this, and it look kind of like a bargaining chip. Oh no, there's no question. He's a transactional president. 
uh, it's all about the latest transaction for him. It's it's really not in any sense about relationships, even with Kim Jong-un. Uh, but the bigger question here is what does a good deal with North Korea really look like? And despite the crazy performance that we've seen um, with Donald Trump over this last year and a half, he's actually made the situation better. He's made the situation better because Kim Jong-un stopped testing the kind of trading of threats. You remember Rocket Man yeah. and Fire and Fury. That stopped. Uh, so there is a little bit of stability in what was a relationship that looked like it was going to go over the cliff. And for that, frankly, we should all be grateful. A good deal is ultimately going to look like a good deal we've made uh, with Russia uh, in the past. You know, all the things we've said about Kim Jong-un, we can't trust him, we said about the Russians for 30 years, but we made a deal on limiting nuclear weapons, on a cessation of testing, and the only country in the world that was ever denuclearized was South Africa and um, Libya, and I think all the rogues around the world learned the lesson uh, from Gaddafi what a huge mistake it was to denuclearize. So we're going to get some sort of containment agreement, and frankly, over the next six months to nine months, we're going to see what that looks like in practice. We don't need a formal agreement. Uh, okay, let's uh, move right along to Michael Cohen's testimony. Uh, Michael oh, Tobe. <laughs> I'm not the same person, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we know you're not the same person. No, so what did you make of it? And uh, <laughs> is this dangerous to Donald Trump? Or will all those people who support him and, and love him just say, look, this guy's a liar. Don't believe a word he says. Well, the latter part obviously will come into effect. We all know that sitting here, and all your listeners know that too. Whoever supports Donald Trump will continue to support him after the fact. I think we have to look at it this way. There's no question that, you know, Michael Cohen created some very damaging testimony claiming that Mr. Trump is a racist, a con man. You know, he brought out examples of terrible things he may have done, aiding him with payments for, you know, the porn star and other things. But a lot of that was also, <clears throat> pardon me, well, a lot of that was also known beforehand. So I don't think, we certainly learned a few new things from Michael Cohen, but I don't think there were any major bombshells other than the fact that Michael Cohen's, you know, is very obviously frustrated with what's happened. And because he's heading to jail in the next few months, he realizes that he has nothing to lose, so he's just going to throw everything on the table. But we have to be realistic about this. Neither Michael Cohen nor Donald Trump are perfect angels. Michael Cohen has a terrible record. In fact, the things that I learned from the Republican Party, and I looked them up afterwards to see if they were all completely correct, he's even worse than I thought he was, and I knew he was bad and very tainted to begin with. And he's also a newly disbarred lawyer, which just happened in New York a couple of days ago. So if neither man is a perfect angel, it really comes down to, I would say, an issue of partisanship or who you want to believe. Michael Cohen obviously has put things on the table that the anti-Trump or never-Trump contingent will be very, very pleased with and just adds another layer to the puzzle. But those who are supportive of Mr. Trump or those who realize that Michael Cohen is just not a reputable person overall are going to obviously look at these issues, maybe take them with a very huge grain of salt, and say to themselves, yeah, but is this really the most trustworthy person we can have 
to attack Donald Trump. There are reputable... You know, okay, uh, yes, Janice, uh, I, I, I don't think there's an equivalency. Michael Cohen uh, may be worse, but he's heading to jail. Trump is president of the United States. Janice, do you agree that, that people who support Trump will just continue to do that? Well, here's the interesting part of what happened yesterday. It's the granularity of it. It's not dissimilar, although there's no... No comparison in order of magnitude, but it's actually not dissimilar from the kind of testimony we heard yesterday from uh, Jody Wilson-Raybo. It's the stories that matter. So you have a story of Donald uh, Trump driving through uh, a poor African-American neighborhood, and all of a sudden the racist comments are out there for everybody to hear. That's different from labeling somebody a racist. That doesn't change minds. The story changes minds. You have a story now that Donald Trump got Michael Cohen to lie to Melania Trump for him. You know, people, women particularly, will pay attention to that, even some of the Donald Trump supporters. And the story is credible because it's got detail in it, not because a liar or a felon or a disbarred lawyer is telling it. That's the damaging part of what happened yesterday. And will it change people's minds? I think it will change people's minds who are soft Trump supporters. That's that's where the change will come from. He has uh, a very committed base of people and they're not going to change. But, you know, the next election is not going to be determined by the base in either party. It's going to be determined by soft supporters in the middle and by undecided. And those stories are really powerful. They just are. It makes it come alive. It makes it real uh, in a way that even the way he started out, when he labeled him, that's not effective, frankly. Everybody shrugs their shoulders when they hear that. But it's when he tells the stories that it really makes a difference. Um, Michael, I can give you 10 seconds to wrap things up. Well, you can believe what you want, but as they say, the proof is the proof is the proof. And quite frankly, those sorts of tales, they are obviously titillating, but there isn't any proof. There's no, there's no video, there's no media, there's no tapes, there's no nothing. So we have to, hold on, we have to sort of basically say that if Michael Cohen wants to put this out on the table, that's perfectly fine. But if we want to believe it or if we think we should believe it, that's another issue because this man's reputation is so sullied that really he is not a great character witness, period. Do you believe them? Pardon me? Do you believe the stories? Um, I believe that some of them may be accurate, Janice, but I believe others are not. And quite frankly, uh, okay, that that's a really yes or no answer because we are basically out of time. Thank you so much to You're Janice welcome. Stein and Michael Tobe. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 